This podcast contains strong language. Listener discretion is advised. And welcome to We're Not Over Six Feet Under, the show where we talk about the aughts most morose television show about a Gen Xer and a funeral home and mortality and stuff, episode by episode, spoiler free. I'm your host, Caroline McGraw. And I'm your other host, Jenna Shearer. Today we're talking about season one, episode two, The Will, which originally aired on June 10th, 2001. This episode was written by Christian Williams and directed by Miguel Arteta. Okay, let's jump in. So the summary of this episode on Wikipedia is Nate tries to help David run the business, which only creates more tension between them. Unpleasant surprises are revealed at the reading of the will. Unpleasant surprises are always revealed at every reading of every will and also in every episode of Six Feet Under. So we have our first death. Yes, our first like non-Fisher rando person who's going to be our like MacGuffin of the episode death. Uh, We open on this uh, handsome man at a pool uh, talking, borderline uh, proselytizing about something called beauty vision. And his wife is sort of, she's doing it too, but she's, she's a little, seems a little less into it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, this guy is giving these other guys the hard sell about this thing that's clearly nonsense. He's really very like the patriarchy personified. Like he's like got this like ab situation going on and he's like smoking a cigar and he opens saying, you can have anything you want. It's yours for the taking. But we've been conditioned to think that this isn't fair somehow. Yeah, it's it's very Tom Cruise and Magnolia. Yes. And then he sort of gives the, you know, this guy's like, it's like it's forty five thousand dollars. And one of the randos he's with is, is like, yeah, I'm in. And he's like, are you ready for this? I wonder if now you could do a scene like this because we're so like we're we we know about Scientology we know about the pyramid scheme but you know these these guys don't know and so uh he jumps into the pool he's about to do a celebratory just dive off of that diving board as one does uh, as one does and he cracks his uh cracks his head open and we learn that he is Chandler James Swanson 1967 2001 R.I.P. R.I.P. Chandler James Swanson the world is not necessarily worse without you. No, it doesn't seem like it is. Um, <laughs> and then when we open, we have Keith and David together. And they're like making out in bed. It's, it's so sweet. It's really sweet. But, but it's a dream. It's a dream. Well, Nate, Nate Sr.'s presence, his, his deeply homophobic presence. Yep. It's so sad that David, the way that David sees him is as this just like bigoted, hateful, hates gay people. Yeah. Which, I mean, we'll talk about it, but doesn't necessarily seem to jive with who he actually was. No, we never really like get any sense of, of if he was homophobic um so 16 under has is coming in real hot they're like we do dreams we do dreams yes it's dreams it's in the first part of this episode the first Strong thing you see is a dream personal brand so david is at keith's keith has a giant robe on <laughs> um the world's <laughs> biggest robe and we get some exposition the will is about you know don't you know the will is going to be read today keith and it is it you get the 
impression that it, I think it's the first time he slept over that David has slept over. That's the impression I get because I think it's supposed to take place immediately after the last scene we see of them in the pilot where you know David shows up at his door in tears. Is that true? See, I did have a question about how long it's been. To me, it could be like weeks or it could be like, I think like you You're say, right. it could be like the day. No, I think you might yeah. be right. But just the, the way it is and everybody, my favorite thing about the second episode of any television show is everybody looks a little different because they shot the pilot a year and a half ago. <laughs> yep, yep. So everybody's like, Claire's hair is just a little bit brighter and and you know everybody's just like a little more fit I like it yep (laughs) Yep. they're like a little more their characters than they first were totally oh and and Keith also invites David in this scene to a gay policeman and fireman meeting I was a little confused it's just a meeting was it like a barb no it's just like a meeting I think it's like a hang like a club like a hang like a like a meetup.com but I don't think meetup existed (laughs) I think that David seems kind of into it but maybe he's just he might just be deflecting yeah I think I think that Keith, you know, represents, especially in these early episodes for David, like a here's like another world you could be in yeah. and you could not be so like wrapped up in like death and mm. all your family shit, which is also death. And David keeps like being tempted by it, but then just repeatedly rejecting it. Yeah. And it's sad. It is sad. But it's, they're making progress. They are. Um, and then we move to a different couple, <laughs> which is Brenda is massaging Nate, and she looks like she got her entire outfit at Delia's for middle-aged women. <laughs> her bangs are awful. What is the necklace? The mystery of this podcast is what Rachel Griffiths did to her hair and makeup and the costume designer right? what did she do to these people it also like it, it just is like bad character costume design because yeah. like she's supposed to be like i'm so cool and freewheeling but then she's like i'm wearing like ann taylor matching pants sets and she's she's talking about wounds she's very oh, yeah. new agey brenda is not like other girls <laughs> like she knows where your wound is it's um she's like a manic pixie dream psychologist she totally is i love brenda but she's a little hippy dippy. She's very intense. Well, I think these early episodes also like very purposely give us the sense that like she has all her shit together, whereas the Fishers yeah. don't. And then you've like mild spoilers, but you you pretty soon realize that she does not have her shit together. Well, I think even in this in the end of this episode when yeah. we have her her tattoo that she's very cagey about, right. which for someone who wants who wants you to be very open, like she she's very cryptic about her Nathaniel tattoo. I don't love that Nate calls her a haven. And I know she like rejects it, but yeah. it's just Nate in this episode is so like you're you're different. You're different. And yeah, like you're not like other ladies. Yeah, you're not like other I mean Brenda's not like other girls. It's true. But yeah. it, it's but Nate is like put you know, kind of putting all this stuff on her. Yeah, he he says like I get enough death at home, you're supposed to be my haven away from all that. And I'm like, also that line didn't even need to be in there. Like that's pretty clearly what's going on well also again how long has it been right if it's the day after that's <laughs> the true. last episode and then later in the episode she says that they've only had sex twice and I was like wait it's a problem that a lot of episodes like this have where the pilot has so much happening and then like this is sort of the fallout and it's a little calmer and we know the characters a little more but you're just like what day is it? right <laughs> 
Because you also later have like Claire being like, "Ugh, Nate, are you going to stay here forever? You know? Yeah, how and long I'm has like, he been there? How long been there? has he been there? I don't know. So Claire is back in school. So it has to at last be, at least be after New Year's Day. You're right. Claire's back in school. So like weeks must have passed. It's weeks. So Nate is, Nate is chilling, which so then I understand. But then he's only had sex with Brenda twice. I just have timeline questions. That's, maybe, maybe like Nate and Brenda, like sex world is like kind of like a, like a time bubble. Like it's some <laughs> kind of like metaphysical thing. It's a, it's an episode of Lost is what you're saying. Yes. We We've just got some sort of... They're just in the hatch. Um, so David comes home. Nate comes home. They meet in the driveway. Nate's a dick. So he, he's doing like a like a howl. He's doing a howl. Impression from 2001. Like being like, oh, LOL, my brother's a robot. But like actually like poking at this wound. Wound, like what Brenda was talking about. Wound. Nate went to Trader Joe's, which I think is so great. Oh my God. Yeah, they specifically had Trader Joe's back. And I feel like... At that time, I might be wrong, but I feel like at that time, Trader Joe's like a new, cool, young people taking care of their bodies thing. Yeah, it was it was a it was a cool store. It wasn't every you know wasn't everywhere. He talks about like the great raspberry, like the he has the raspberry source, hydroponic hydroponic raspberries. I think later in the episode, Claire calls them Stevie Nicks raspberries, which I quite enjoyed. Oh, I like how Nate and Claire bond in this. Like they just have like a little. You mean David and Claire? No, I think Nate Nate and Claire bond a little before David comes in, and then Dave when David comes in and Nate is a dick to him, right. then Claire like sides with him. And there's like kind of this nice little moment with where like Claire is is defending him, and David kind of is like, oh, does she know somehow? But yeah. like this is all nonverbal face stuff. Yeah, but it's really cute. And then you know we get the we get a little information that David had a girlfriend in his past. Mm-hmm. Um, I wonder if we'll meet that girlfriend. I wonder if we'll meet that girlfriend in, in a half an hour. And then um, Claire asks what we're all thinking. Why are you still here tonight? It's um, a question on everybody in America's minds. So while, uh, while they're all at the table, the, uh, the widow, the, the beauty vision widow mm-hmm. shows up. Um, and with her carrying her baby, which is... The way that she's sort of like holding the baby like a shield is very, yeah, is very strange because it does, it feels, it, it just feels like she truly doesn't know what to do. And this is really the first time that we're, I think, the first time that we're really seeing David on his own with a client, yeah. with a bereaved person. And he's, he's immediately like, seeing dollar signs i was sort of shocked i was like oh david is really milking this they're like i i feel like they had um you know there's a moment where he says to her we should choose an appropriate resting vessel which is like such a like non-human sentence i had a moment of being like oh he's being the robot that nate was just mocking him for being and i think it's also to create a contrast with nate's sort of like compassionate handholdy you know, grief counseling ways. Yeah, Nate's Nate's up for whatever. Oh, it. yeah. I mean, he really just is, he just wants to make you feel better. But yeah, David is, and the, when he, and he asked like what kind of car he drove, which I, which seems to be a way to sort of talk to people about the coffins without it being, with, with yeah. framing it as something that they, that's like, oh, he would have loved this. If he loved this car, he would have loved this coffin. But there is something, there's something so like, squicky about it and then when we talk about the kroner thing later Mm -hmm. it it does 
it doesn't feel like David is, I don't know, that sounds like that could be his, we're supposed to sort of think that they're very cold and it's a chain, but yeah. like David is pushing a $10,000 casket. I think this this whole episode is very focused on money and economics and like, I mean, with the will, obviously, later, but also with the kind of the, the economics of the funeral business. Yeah. There's so much about, like, they, they, they talk about the $9,000 price of this casket, like, a ton of times in this episode. Yeah. And I think, I don't know, like, what exact point they're trying to make, because it's true that, like, the way that David is in this scene, I could almost see him being like, oh, yeah, like, let's sign up for Kroner. Like, they'll, you know, take all this messy emotion out of it. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. But I wonder if it's a pride thing for him, you know, like that he's like, oh, I'm going to own this funeral business like better than dad would have. Well, that's true because he because th- they haven't gone to to the will reading yet. So he's like, this is my business now. Yeah. So we go to the famous will reading of the title. Yes. Um, the Fishers are rich. They are loaded. I wrote my notes say the Fishers are all caps loaded ruth gets half a million dollars and so nate and david get the fu- get the funeral home they get each get 50 percent. and then claire is mad she doesn't get the funeral home, which she's 16 years old so i don't really i don't even know think what she, she even wants the funeral home i think she just wants a bunch of money to do what she will with right or she wants i mean she wants her father's love obviously yeah i mean that's, <laughs> that's yeah, that's, she, yeah wants. she wants her father's love um and she gets a trust which again these are these people are so rich um and one of my questions is Ruth seems to be as surprised by this as anybody, which Mm -hmm. is not normal for a married couple. Like a married couple would generally make a will together. Yes. Why wouldn't she have been privy to this? Here's my uh, theory on this, and I might be wrong. I think maybe Ruth knew and just didn't tell them because she's intensely passive aggressive. And she's just like, oh, I'll just keep Nate here until the will reading and then see what happens. Oh, that's fascinating. I didn't get that, but you might be right. And I guess she says when they're leaving and David is, which I mean, justifiably, I think, snitty. Like, she's like, your father knew exactly what he was doing. Yeah. She she like, said okay. he wanted everybody to be happy. And then she's like, <laughs> we will be happy. She doesn't seem to know her children well enough to to not yeah. know exactly that David would feel slighted by this and that Nate would be like, I don't want this. I mean, Claire, Claire is completely wilding out. She's so mad. that, And she's going to get the trust. If she doesn't go to college, she gets the money when she's 25, which I know feels like it's far it's, away yeah, when you're she's 16. she's what, like 16? She's like, oh, it's oh a million my, years from now. Oh, my God. If somebody, when I was 16, if somebody was like, you're getting, I don't even know how much money is in it, but I assume over $100,000. Like, yeah. it's it's just it's just wild she she's in her full privileged teen rebel phase and she has like no concept of any she has no concept of her privilege as a lot of privileged people don't and i think she's like okay so i'm gonna go on a little bit of a tangent here about the merchant of venice okay lay it on me (laughs) so there is um in the merchant of venice there is a plot where um portia who is this wealthy woman Mm -hmm. uh her father left um a will for her but he had these very specific stipulations in his will about how she had to like do this elaborate game and like it was basically a way for um for him to somehow choose her husband from beyond the grave okay and she's really mad about it and there is um a little moment in a when she's having a conversation with her maid where um she says um, I may neither choose who I would nor refuse who I dislike. So is the will of a living daughter curbed by the will of a dead father. This scene immediately made me think of that scene in The Merchant of Venice, this idea of Claire's anger. I mean, putting aside the ridiculous, privileged, sure. of it all. Sure. 
like I think what it comes down to sort of psychologically for Claire is that she is she feels like her father from beyond the grave is like taking away her choices you're bringing up a great point because both it seems Nate senior and Ruth are so about controlling their children Mm -hmm. they would never obviously they would never say that in a million years but they just are like they just they just want to have a hand in everything they're doing and I made a note of this like later when like Ruth calls Nate and David like she just treats them like they're babies yeah all the time no I think you're I think you're right and that Claire is that if it was something else if it'd been like you have to go like on a vision quest she'd be like don't tell me I have to go on a vision quest I think pretty much anything that had come out of that she would have like anything she would have been dissatisfied if somehow like he had split it a third and a third and a third and she got a third of the funeral home she would be like I'm not setting foot near that funeral home how dare he give me a funeral home um, so David, David's mad. It's super prodigal sunny. And Nate initially is very like, you can have it. Like, I don't want it to, to David. Yeah. I mean, if I were Nate, I'd try to sell that. I mean, he's a, he's an assistant manager at Wild Oats. He should probably try to sell his half. But you know, in the, in the late, in the late 2010s, I'm like, get that, get that business, Nate. You don't right. know how weird the economy is about to get. <laughs> so we, we get back to the funeral home. Rico's here. Rico's okay. I like he's okay. Rico. He's okay. Rico's I, okay in this episode. I keep pre-anticipating Rico sucking, and I need to like no spoilers Rico <laughs> about Rico being a terrible More space character sometimes. To be okay right now. Um, and I do, I do appreciate that Rico is someone who genuinely loves his job. Yeah, that Rico loves this has cho- has chosen it. He loved Nate Senior. Like he's, you know, I I like that about Rico. And then he takes pride in his work and then he doesn't want the old lady to look like a banana. <laughs> yeah, he's like, he's he's both like creepily okay with death and like gore, but also yeah. like so passionate about it, like like an artist. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And he's and he's so, so sweet to Nate. You know, Nate Nate's given a task. Nate can't handle the task. Yep. <laughs> um, Rico's going to go with him. Um, Claire says what I think should be the tagline of this episode maybe the series newsflash other people exist because it's it is true that none of these and her included like nobody is thinking about anybody else oh utter utter solipsism and then we have nate and rico in the car and nate is bitching about inheriting a huge business poor nate it's is this the heaven can't nate of the episode I have maybe some stuff ahead as well but like Nate bitching at Rico who has Rico has like is one of the reasons the business is successful like one of the Mm -hmm. huge reasons that and we hear that a little at the end when Kroner the Kroner guy is sort of talking about Rico and he's like he's this he's an art you know he's great at his job how long are you going to keep him Rico is the entire reason that they have this great reputation and Nate is just like well I guess I'm gonna have this business Mm, such a jerk yeah he's like completely unaware of how what he's saying would have any effect on Rico who like clearly like lives and breathes you know embalming fluid oh no Rico you shouldn't do that (laughs) so we have we see Gabe again. What day is it? I d- this all seems to take place on the same day. I guess Claire goes to school for the afternoon. Gabe, who now has a name, he was originally Claire's meth date. Claire, Claire's episode. meth date. 
I don't like I wrote down I hate Claire's outfit and I'm trying to remember what it was but she was not wearing a jewel tone which is what I like on Claire I like when Claire has a jewel tone and I feel like she was wearing a gray and I didn't care for it but, da- but Gabe is here he has earrings she calls him Gabriel there's some extras from American Pie that he's flirting with yes. um oh yeah she Claire says uh don't your skanks need to be walked it's a pretty good that's a pretty good burn and talk about like the way that Nate is all like you're not like other girls with Brenda like Gabe is that like turned up to 10 yeah. he says you you're different you can see through walls yeah and and oh and Claire talks about she's like oh I'm the freak with the dead dad now yeah. this will be a question I asked several times is someone going to send Claire to therapy? She's 16 years old and her right? father was hit by a bus. They are like none of them are dealing with their grief at all. Like it's, they I mean they are cuz they're just all like losing their shit, but none of them are actually like yeah. doing any sort of dealing with their grief however long it's been. Yeah. In this nebulous amount of time since Nate's no, in your bed. In this one day slash 3 weeks. But especially like poor Claire, day. she's a teenager, she's a kid and and no yeah, you're right. Nobody's, you know, like like the school, there should be like a school counselor who talks to Claire. And then this next scene the Croner guy, he's back and I I don't I don't Matthew like this storyline. Matt Gillardi. He's he doesn't seem like a person. No, it's true. He's so he's so oily and the the way that he I mean, I know that we're supposed to be getting this contrast between like Fisher and Sons is the mom and pop, we care, and Croner is, you know, churn churning out bodies. They've got a, you know, over a hundred locations, all this stuff. But I just they must be so bad at business to send somebody again, this happened in the pilot. These people are grieving and the, I know that there's they're trying to swoop in, but like the just the he is not charming and he does not make I can't imagine he's making anybody want to sell anything no like they should hire somebody else to be their um the representative for their family of quality death care facilities yeah I know he's really he's he's bad at his job and Ruth I never quite get what Ruth's job for the funeral home is or was because she says she's not going to take calls anymore at the end of the episode but she seems to be sort of it seems like she's divorced from what's happening there when she needs to be and she's involved when she needs to be. And it's just like an ongoing question I have about Ruth. I have a feeling that she was, and again, we like know so much about, we, I'm sorry, we know so little about what their lives were like when Nate Sr. was alive. Yeah, that's but true. I get the sense she was probably much more involved then. And I think in this episode, we see her sort of purposely distancing herself from it and going on hikes. And I think David has also probably taken over a lot of what she was doing now that I think about it, that, mm-hmm. that that was able to that was able to happen. So then we get to Nate and Rico picking up the body of this elderly deceased man at the hospital. And I, I don't know anything about the funeral business, but like I feel like a lot of this wouldn't really happen. Well, they're at, so they're at the a nursing home, right? Because it's where um, oh, Vanessa that's right. I'm works. Sorry, yes. So, but Vanessa is a nurse. But Vanessa's a nurse, and yes. she works at this nursing home. And we get to meet Vanessa for the first time, meeting um, and played by I love Justina Machado. I don't think I've seen her in much else. Like as an actress, she's so sunny in this, and she does. And I, I like that she she's not passive aggressive like the well I guess Claire's not very passive but no. she's she's, she's just aggressive like aggressive. saying what she needs. Vanessa, by the way, I don't know if we said this before, is uh, Rico's wife who are, who gives who throws Fisher and Sons uh, bodies. Yes, <laughs> by calling bonus them. bodies. Um, and so Nate is given a task which never bodes well, <laughs> but also a task that's like I'm pretty sure that like sending an unlicensed person. 
to go pick up a dead body. Yeah. With by the way, when they're like dealing with this naked dead body, the door is just wide open. Oh yeah, and it has a it it has an erection. Does it have an erection yet? It gets it, one, yeah. It, yeah, it has one angel lust. Angel Rico lust. calls it. Um you're right. He's not an even an employee of the funeral home. Nate has grown up around this stuff and I know that he's supposed to have like willfully not paid attention to it, but the stuff that he does just in the in the rest of the episode just seems so beyond it it's there's just somebody with no common sense it's so stupid he's just he just like wants to like everybody to think he's super cool with like no regard for the consequences of anything he does Nate has to drive the body back he hears the weird sound (laughs) coming out of it that weird sound is genuinely haunting it is haunting it's it's the sound of what like a body like losing losing air losing air it's like a death breath it's it's pretty bad I didn't mean for that to rhyme I like it. it. Brenda calls Nate. Oh my god, this is my heaven can Nate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do, do it. I gotta say, my my heaven can Nate though is that when he tells the valet to keep the van out of the sun, I laughed real hard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was real funny. Yeah. So so she, he gets a call from Brenda, manic pixie dream psychologisting mm-hmm. him, um, being like, "Hey, what are you doing right now? We never had our first date." Uh, why don't you like come over and he's like I got a dead body in the car and she's like he's not going anywhere and he's like okay <laughs> and like fuck it okay like I know that Nate isn't like a professionally trained funeral director but I don't know like common sense like California Utter body panic. in the car no and then he goes and he has a glass of wine why is Brenda having a glass of wine at three in the afternoon why why is he drinking I know before? it's just it just is so beyond the pale and it's just very Nate. Like I get like it's very Nate and it's very Brenda. They're just like fuck it. Like very early Nate and Brenda and it's it's gross. N- Nate gets too deep immediately. Like I'm not going to be that guy with you. It's for someone who doesn't whose whole thing is that he doesn't want to commit to anything. He's he's there very quickly. Yeah, both of them are. Both of them are like are like at first like, "Oh, like this is just sex and I don't care about you." And like at this point now they're just like, "Let's constantly meet up and yeah. like not only have sex, but like talk about our feelings." Yeah. They're full they're full on talking about feelings. And yeah. she she does say like, "The reason we're connecting is because I was with you when your father died." Yeah. And so that's I mean, I guess that that is that is part of it, but Anyway, it's it's they they have their date. Nate has a has a fun, you know, fun little transition where he realizes that the corpse is rotting in the back. Isn't it that the 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 corpse shat itself? Oh, that happens in the car. Yeah. Just oh my god, it's so bad. Because he left it out. In- it's terrible. It's oh, just so Nate. terrible. Yeah. Nate Nate is so bad at his job and it's not even technically his job yet yeah so we're back at the home david finds out the swansons have no money ruth is mad about that she hasn't been informed that this buyout came up which it came up when the funeral was happening i wouldn't have told my mother either i would have been like we're not yeah we don't have to get into this Uh, there's also a moment with with david where he sees uh nate senior's ghost saying it's supposed to be Fisher and Sons and you'll never have children. Oh God, and it's yes. just certainly the meanest version of, of Nate Senior's ghost is, is David's version. Yeah, that's that's very true. Oh, that's a, it feels terrible for David. And yeah, there is like, coming back to the thing you mentioned about the prodigal son, there's this moment where, where 
David is just, I mean, Nate and David get like, they just fight this whole episode. But, but, you know, David basically says to Nate that he wasted his life, but he gets rewarded anyway for doing absolutely nothing. And he's not wrong. No, he's, he sure, he sure is not. And I feel bad because like David, Ruth slaps David. It's a real hard slap. It's a real hard slap. I feel bad for David. They're, they're, they're all kind of being bad to each other. Yeah. It's not a good, the Fishers are really at each other's throats in this. I mean, always, but in this particular episode then we go to claire yep. and gabe um they put a jewel tone on her which i'm very excited about she's Thank a very pretty scarf the lord um very flattering her hair is up um i am also just again i'm curious i'm claire's age as we've talked about and i i would feel like claire would kind of think she was going to go to college i don't know i feel like claire would have grown up thinking she was going to go to college it seems to have to be something she's never heard like never thought about before like i I also was claire's age but i feel like i also wasn't smoking meth oh uh, yeah that's true she's a lot happening i didn't even think i was drinking when i was 16 um and uh and she is i think she's just in her full rebel phase yeah that's true and i think she's just in a like i'm not gonna do what the man tells me to do you know just dumb teenage shit like I think she had probably already decided she didn't want to go to college. Yeah, that's. I guess that's true. And then she's like, but I could have got money, but I have to wait for the money. I have to say that um, look at this face you drive oh is, my God. is incredible teen boy complimenting. It's disgusting, but I totally understand why she's into it. And I like Gabe, even though I think his earrings are silly. Look, in this episode, like Gabe is a charmer. Like he is yeah. doing the thing. He's being the teen dreamboat. He like knows exactly what to say to Claire. And he knows how to get his feet dealt with. <laughs> oh God. I can't. I really hate feet. Um, oh. And. Uh, I'm neutral on feet, but I'm I not, really I'm feet. not into, I'm just, it's so fun to watch this as an adult because you're like. Oh, he has a fet. He has a full-on fetish. Mm-hmm. He maybe can't even identify it as such, but yeah. he has a full-on fetish. And the sort of way that he's like, he's trying to like test the waters with her yeah. is so like. And you know, he's allowed to be into what he's into. And I don't think that he's being coercive in a gross way, but he's definitely like, I'll think you're cooler if you do stuff to my feet. And I'm not. I don't like that. Yeah, he knows how to manipulate her very clearly. And also, is this. Do we think that this is Claire's first time? I think it is. I th- it, f- it feels like it is, but I can't remember if they ever say it explicitly. They've had sex. That's actually a question I have because she's wearing a full shirt and a bra. <laughs> I don't know. I I do have a question about that, but I do think that I think that whatever that gave is her first yeah. sexual like major sexual experience for yeah. sure. Um. So then we see this uh this f- another. So we've seen this flashback in the first episode that Nate keeps having of his father saying, hey, you want to touch a dead body yeah. when he's a child? And we interestingly now get the second half of this flashback from David's perspective. After Nate runs out of the room in fear, David is just like, dead body, cool. And here's like my naked G.I. Joe that I'm carrying around. Yeah. And it's like... And he's so like calm about mm-hmm. the body. And he Nate Sr. looks so pleased and he's so happy he made his father happy by being like fine with it. I know. Mm. All that, it's so formative. He does have this thing where he, I mean, obviously he has like a complex about wanting to please Nate Sr. Mm -hmm. Um, Then we find out the Swansons are broke and Nate has to break the news, uh, which doesn't 
seem appropriate but whatever <laughs> no he's nate nate just like very quickly in this episode goes from being like i have no interest in the funeral business to being like yeah let's do whatever everybody loves me yeah and he has his hand he has his hand in a lot his fingers in a lot of pies is that the expression that doesn't seem like an expression it so nate so this is the scene where uh nate is talking to mrs swanson and like saying like we you can't afford that like you know luxury oh, lamborghini yeah. coffin um and you know she's like oh my god but like the shame and everything and she is by the way totally surprised that her husband's a swindler which like how well also how does she not know that nate has a lot of information for a credit report right did we notice this because he he's he's like yeah he has you know he ran up the bill on this amex okay okay then he's like and yale wants you to stop like him to stop saying he went there and i'm like that information is not on a credit report. Good point. Nate would not know that. I'm. I was very. I was interested in what credit bureau they went to. <laughs> um, it seems like the NSA credit bureau. It's the exposition credit. It's the bureau. exposition credit bureau. I was struck in that scene that how much did you know about your husband? He says, how much did you know about your husband's business? Which might as well be the like title of this episode. Yeah. Because nobody yeah. <laughs> knows about anyone's husband's businesses. No one's husband. No one's husband was uh, forthright with them in this, in this yep. particular episode. And then Nate tells this poor woman, actually, I don't feel that bad for her because she seems real dumb, but um, <laughs> tells this neutral woman, that she can rent the coffin. Oh my god! You, she can rent the coffin, and then they'll cremate him to save her money. Oh my god, Nate! Like, you do not know. I know that it's the early two thousands, but you gotta ask Jeeves before you do stuff like this. <laughs> I just don't understand. I know he's he's impulsive, but I and I relate because I do stupid things all the time. Sure, but I same. just like can't believe that he thinks that's okay again have never owned a funeral home know that you can't rent a coffin to right? somebody also like he's fully aware of how gross dead bodies are he was just letting one rot and poop in his car yes like he should know that you can't just like willy-nilly like stick a body in there and be like good to reuse oh it's my just God. it's gonna be disgusting and he's so fucking proud of himself about this i know he's like no one's ever thought of this before he's like and i'm a real because like, it's stupid <laughs> i'm like a real like feelings funeral in innovator like Ugh. money saving Ugh. Um, Ed Bagley Jr. is here now. Ed Bagley Jr. He plays Hiram, who is uh, who is Ruth's hairdresser slash yes. lover. I am very interested in the conversation that happened after the pilot, and they're like, "Okay, we got picked up. We have to get somebody to play Hiram. Who is a st who is going to convincingly play a hiking straight? Maybe he's bi. It's not my business. <laughs> hairdresser for Ruth to have a relationship with." It's good casting. It is. It's really good casting. I mean, Ed, Ed Begley Jr., like, he has very, like, kind eyes, you know? <laughs> like, he's so different from Nate Sr. He has a vest. He has a vest. He's just, he's very, like, patient with her. And I don't know. He has, he has just, he likes hiking. It's hot. He does like hiking. It is. I'm not attracted to him in any way. <laughs> um, and actually, I mean, like, look, we don't have to get into this, but I do think that, like, if I had to sleep with either... <laughs> Richard Jenkins as Nathaniel Fisher or Ed Begley Jr. as Hiram, I would pick Nathaniel Sr. He just has like a rakishness that I like. Yeah, yeah. He has a he has wrong. like a little spark in his eye. But I understand that Ruth is like, I'm tired of I'm tired of the rakishness. Mm -hmm. I want this safer, this safer bet. I also don't understand why he bought 
plane tickets to Costa Rica. I know, like that's that's a very abrupt thing to do. Her husband just again, her husband died either yesterday or three weeks ago. <laughs> we don't know which one, but either one is too soon. I feel like this is a thing that always happens in TV shows and movies, though, is somebody's like, I have plane tickets that I already bought for you. And I'm like, <laughs> has anyone ever done that yeah. in real life? Well, okay, we are in a pre-9-11 world here. <laughs> He's like, I can just switch them. You could just meet me there like 20 minutes beforehand. Um, I do like how the show does look at infidelity in a way like I don't judge Ruth no. and I don't think the show asks you to like think of her she judges herself but I think the and show David just like her. and David's oh David he's yeah. such a little shrew about it but where she when she says I loved my husband you're like yeah we you can believe that and also believe that she had this long going affair and yeah it's, it's well done I think I, th- I think it also like especially for its day is kind of innovative to have if if you were to like see them as a couple you would assume that Nate senior would be the one who would be cheating Yes. I mean, we also, like, get the information that Ruth was 19 when she married Nate Sr. Yep. And she doesn't know how to be alone. And I think that's going to be her journey through the whole show, you know, is, like, learning how to be her own person. It is funny how she made such a big deal about going on this hike, and then she just dumps higher. I know. (laughs) She didn't have to tell anybody about that. She could have just gone. I don't think they were gone a very long time. I think she just wanted to performatively swan about her children, saying that she's going on a hike with her lover. In the next scene, we see the funeral for Chandler Swanson. Nobody's at the funeral. It's just it's just Nate cuddling Mrs. Swanson, and yeah, nobody else is hands. there. I know. Nate is Nate is too too bold. And then Jennifer stops by David's ex. I love Jennifer. She's so sweet. She is. So Jennifer is. Um, I feel like we can just kind of go through the whole arc here. Like yeah. Jennifer is. Um, is David's ex-fiance. Yeah. Um, And Jennifer and David go to dinner together. By the way, while in the course of doing this, David completely blows off Keith's um, gay police and firefighters (laughs) meetup.com group. (laughs) Meetup.com. Which which sucks, but I feel like when you start that scene with them at dinner, you think that Jennifer is going to kind of be like an asshole maybe. Yeah, but she's instead, she's so sweet. She knows she's like the only one, I think, aside from Keith and Claire, who like knows he's gay. Something that we find out in this scene is that she hung out solo with Nate Senior, like went out for coffee with him. That's right, and she says your father knew. And yeah. and it seems I, I'm sure it doesn't seem like during the course of the coffee he was like I know David's gay. It feels like they spoke in some subtext mm-hmm. during this thing. But Jennifer Jennifer's being so cool. David is being such a self-hating he's monster yeah he's that's true he's totally wasted and he when jennifer is sort of like oh do you have a boyfriend again could not be nicer he suggests that they go have sex which is and she's like a really gross way yeah and she's just like ew (laughs) you know the, the i think that the the kind of arc for david in this episode is him uh, dealing with, you know, like how he assumes his father must loathe him and think less of him because he's gay. And um, he later, you know, in this scene, he finds out that his father did know and was seemingly okay with it. Yeah. And then he's sort of left with like, oh, is all this like internalized homophobia actually just me to myself? Yeah. Oh, 
David. And then, you know, at the, I mean, not to skip ahead, but, you know, when we see that, like, last scene where they're on the bus and, and, yeah. um, and David sees out the window his, his, uh, like, past versions of his father and himself as a child and, like, this yeah. moment of, like, actual genuine love between the two of them. Yeah, I love that scene. And I, I love that, so we saw at the end of the pilot, we saw, you know, Nate had a moment with the bus and he sees his father and things like that. And then like David getting to have that as well. David goes to Keith's house drunk after the Jennifer debacle. Um, Keith doesn't let him come in. He's lying as he should not. I sometimes do think that Keith is a little tough on David. Oh, because Keith talks to Nate. Keith talks to Nate in the driveway and and Nate. Nate who's like, wow, I'm really shocked that my brother plays racquetball. And You're Nate's like, like Keith is like your brother's good at sex. It's not great. Like it's Keith is Keith is comes on a little too strong yeah. and does not respect. I know that he has no use for David being in the closet, but he doesn't seem to respect any of his boundaries, which I don't much care for. Yeah, he really he really keeps pushing at it. Like especially with his family, especially like one day or two weeks after his father is yeah, dead. One day to three weeks to <laughs> yeah. two weeks after this. We also get um, this short scene where Ruth sees Mrs. Swanson uh, doing something over oh. the casket. When she first sees her, it, it looks like she's trying to like maybe climb in with him or something. Oh, yes, that's right. And then and then she's really just trying to get what I assume is a fake <laughs> Rolex or something like that off of him. Yeah, he's just trying to get all the jewelry off of him. And, and there's this moment with these, these two widows, basically. And yeah. you kind of like in this moment can think about the different ways they deal with, you know, their dead husbands. Yeah. And there's, you know, and there's this moment where I mean, obviously, Mrs. Swanson doesn't know what's going on with Ruth, but she's saying, like, I have every right to be pissed at him. And that's, like, something that Ruth can't let herself feel yet about Nate Sr. I mean, this show really does tie everybody to the death of the week in a really great way. Yeah. Yeah, it does. I mean, this show or this episode is very, like, the theme is kind of very strong throughout. Yeah. Um, And then we get uh, Nate and Brenda again having sex so i guess this is time number three they're gonna have sex on her massage mat which seems very disrespectful to her clients and unsanitary and i hate it right don't get a massage from brenda (laughs) if you do just like take a shower afterwards (laughs) anyway Um, they're having sex they're having sex nate finds this tattoo on brenda's lower back that says nathaniel he gets a real bitchy actually he gets like too bitchy about it where he's like why do you have my name on you i get it i understand like if i was had sex with someone twice and saw my name was on their lower back I'd be weirded out by it I feel like it's 50% him being like I'm genuinely freaked out by this and 50% of him being like "Ooh, why are you so obsessed with me yeah that's true and he immediately is like this is for me yeah I guess it's not his name it's not John like it's not a super super common name Mm -hmm. I do I mean I know why Brenda didn't bring it up it's because she loves drama but I do think that if you're sleeping with someone whose name you happen to have tattooed on you before you sleep with them, you would maybe bring it up. Yep. But we don't know not. who this other Nathaniel we don't. may be. But she she feels very strongly about him. Yep. And then we have another dream sequence. It's a lot of, a so lot of dreams. dreams. There's two, but that's still yeah. a lot of dreams for one episode. Yeah. So where Nate sees David um, in the casket oh, like yeah. as like a body, but he keeps calling him a fucking moron. And then he- In does the howl the, voice. In the, yeah. And then he when he wakes up, Brenda is like- all up on him and is I know. like your heart is 
your heart is broken. And it's not, she talks about his wound again. Oh, his wound, yeah. And also, like, as the dream ends, there's, like, the death breath. The death breath is creepy. Well, next they're in the, there's the house the next morning. It's this brief Claire and Ruth in the kitchen scene, and Claire is, like, super excited about having had sex yesterday. Oh, yes, that's true. And she's, like, really cheery, and Ruth's reaction to this is to ask if she has an eating disorder. (laughs) I love Claire and Ruth. Claire and Ruth, Ruth is just, not a good mom to no, Claire. No, <laughs> She's really not. She's like, oh, you're happy. Something must be deeply wrong with you. Um, and then Nate is trying to sell the casket. So Mr. Suarez's son, who is like very sketchy, um, comes in and is basically bargaining to, to use the casket that was the rental casket to... Um, to bury uh, his father in because he doesn't want to pay more. And David is rightly like, this is illegal and we could get in a lot of trouble. And also it's gross. Would you let your loved one be buried in the used casket? Yes. I would too. I would. Yeah, I would too. I, I'm with him. I mean, like, the, like the, that's another point. Cause like, it's like, I'm mad at Nate because he's screwing over the business. Yeah. But a lot of the decisions are making him like, yeah, like death. And I think a lot, this is what a lot of the shows about. Death is an enormous waste. The death industry is an enormous waste. Yeah. The way that we like embalm people and make these like beautiful things. Because there is like an aesthetic to caskets, right? Yeah. And then they just get buried in the ground where nobody's going to see them. And the family has to spend all this money. And they're not going to. This is not made of like compostable materials. No. It's made of titanium. No. And it's, you know, and we'll see as the show goes on, we'll see different ways of disposing of and mourning the dead but um david's like it's not sanitary and nate's like they're dead yeah yeah i i would definitely i would take the used i'm totally on the side of the sun buying that and then david is mad and then um nate is uh running in a graveyard to bohemian like you by the dandy by the dandy warhols and he's like I'm great. Fuck you, death. <laughs> like he's... he's super excited about getting his casket deal. Yeah. Today. Why is the Kroner guy following Nate? It's like this Kroner guy shows up. Like he's I get when he shows up at the house, but he shows up everywhere. He shows up at the graveyard. He shows up at another graveyard, or it might be the same <laughs> graveyard. I don't know. There's a lot of graveyards. It's a weekday, as far as we're concerned. Like, what is he doing? Like, did, was Kroner like, all right, like Matthew Gilardi, your full time job is to stalk the Fishers. I know. So Nate and David have to go identify uh, for some kind of insurance reason the the hearse that their father was killed in and it's a wreck and you know there's like nate like leans in and he sees there's blood on the steering wheel and he's freaked out like a human being would be yeah and um and david is just like so detached about it yeah and and I think Nate, like, kind of rightly asks him, don't you feel anything? Yeah. And and David's just still clinging to his anger. Yeah. And hasn't really let himself feel the grief yet. Totally. And he is, I mean, it is, like, you say, like, we've seen David as a robot in this episode, like, the way other per- other people perceive him. Mm-hmm. And the only time we've really seen him let go is when he's either angry, like mm-hmm. you said, or when he's drunk. Yeah. Um. And then that's when when Brenda calls and is like, hey, I've got a fun field trip for you. Oh, Brenda. I do do love Brenda. I get what she's doing. We cut to them at a bus stop, and the bus opens, and Brenda is there. Yep. Like, for fun. For fun. And, like, I don't know what they honestly thought was going to happen here. Like, we know that Nate has already been to this spot because he was there at the end of the pilot. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, she's like, 
get on the bus um and then they both get on the bus and she's like this is like the bus that killed your father well and nate is like yeah let's get on the bus like nate is truly doesn't seem to know what's coming he's like yeah we're gonna take the bus somewhere brenda is i mean she is massively overstepping and actually yeah the the the, not the one moment but when nate is like this is like this is fucked up you're like, yes, it is supremely fucked up. I also don't, she says it's the bus. Does she mean it's the physical bus? Because I think they probably took that out of I know. commission. I, th- I think she means like this bus route. Right. right? Well, How so would she know that? That is a question that I had. How would she know that? I don't think she does know that. No. But, the, but it's enough to get Nate like twisting. And I think I think David does it. David's just like, oh my god, I'm on this bus. It's good. It, I mean, it ends up working out. I mean, it's weird that she knows exactly what David needs because she's never met him until this moment. But it turns out to be exactly what he needs. Yeah. So now we've come to the end of the episode. It's time to give it a grade. Um, you go first. What's your grade, Jenna? Hmm. I think I think it's a solid episode. It doesn't like make my heart sing. I think I would probably give this episode like a B minus. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to, similarly, it's doing a lot of work. Yes. The episode is doing a lot of work. It's not, I, I wouldn't say it's a transcendent episode, but there's some, you know, some great stuff. I would say I'll give it a B. Yeah. I'll give it a B. I feel like in the first episode, I, I felt like there were some like really transcendent moments. Um, and yes. I don't know if they're, I mean, we get a few here, but yeah. it's a solid episode of television. It's laying a lot of groundwork. Yeah. It's laying, it's doing a lot of plot. It's doing a lot of plot work. It's, it's introducing new people. It's, it's setting the scene even more so than the pilot, I'd say for kind of the things that are going to unravel over the course of the season. It's a load bearing wall. Yes. Precisely. <laughs> Precisely. <laughs> It's a it's a it's a casket that's been used once. It gets the job done. Yes. It's a sturdy uh used $9,000 casket <laughs> filled with fluids. <laughs> On that note. <laughs> we will see you next week for episode 3. Until then, for links to everything we talked about today and more information about us, visit our website at notoversfu.com. If you like the show, please subscribe, tell a friend about it, and leave us a rating or a review on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. It helps more people find the show. You can write to us at notoversfu at gmail.com or give us a shout on Twitter at notoversfu. We'd love to hear from you. You can find me, Caroline, at Caroline V. McGee. And you can find me, Jenna, at Second Husk. You can find our producer, Allison, at Allison underscore Cherry. That's one L in Allison. Our theme song was written by Matt Berger and Melissa Lusk. And our logo was designed by Caitlin Trishani. Until next time, be like Beauty Vision and live without fear.